0: A more scientific direction from the top down could sort of help to rehabilitate uh, Biogen's image, which has definitely taken uh, a bit of a blow just given all of the controversies.
1: That's Fraser Kansteiner, a staff writer here at Fierce Biotech. Later, we'll hear more from him about Biogen's shift in leadership and what brought it on. I'm Teresa Carey, and this is The Top Line for Fierce Biotech, Fierce MedTech, and Fierce Pharma. This episode is brought to you by Precision Extract. Today is Friday, October 14th. Stick with us. We've got all the biopharma and medtech industry news you need. Merck took home the first phase three win for Sotatercept, a year after the drug was acquired in the purchase of Acceleron. As Max Bayer reports, last year Merck doled out $11.5 billion for Acceleron Pharma, Merck has noted the first key clinical win of Sotatercept, the top asset from that deal. Merck announced in a press release that Sotatercept helped improve the six-minute walk test for patients with pulmonary arterial hypertension when added as a background treatment to the standard of care. The drug also showed statistical significance on all secondary endpoints but one. Merck now says it will move with urgency to file for approval with regulators, in an interview with Fierce earlier in September, Merck's CMO, Eliev Barr, teased that down the road, Sotatercept may make a good candidate to treat pulmonary hypertension, which impacts a much larger population. Traditional vaccines are showing less ability to prevent infection as COVID-19 evolves. So some researchers are looking beyond intramuscular shots to tame the virus. So what about vaccines that are delivered where the virus enters the body? In the nose. Well, as Kevin Dunlevy reports, last month, companies in China and India gained approvals in their countries for COVID nasal vaccines. Hoping for the same, AstraZeneca funded a study at Oxford University and rushed its candidate into the clinic. Considering AstraZeneca already markets a nasal spray, which defends against the flu, the effort seemed promising but now it's back to the drawing board for AstraZeneca. The small study from Oxford University had shown that the nasal spray fails to produce a sufficient immune response. Researchers speculate that too much of the spray ended up in the stomach instead of the lungs. They say that a delivery method that gets the vaccine directly to the lungs could be the answer. Fitbit data has been used to track a user's daily step counts, sleep patterns, and their heart rate during workouts. But as Andrea Park reports, one company thinks that that information could also help people recovering from substance abuse. Preda wants to work with Fitbit to weave that data into a platform that helps treat addiction. In an announcement, the companies explained how it works. The app would offer positive feedback and personalized daily check-ins based on changes in physical activity. One question it might ask is how likely a person feels they may relapse. Over time, the app could learn to identify early signs in Fitbit's data that could predict potential relapses. The system could then connect the wearer with a caregiver, family member, or a friend if needed. Merck clearly had their coffee Wednesday morning. They announced details of two licensing deals, one which secured a therapeutic cancer vaccine and the other gained funding to help push forward a schizophrenia treatment. The cancer vaccine came out of an existing deal with Moderna. Back in 2016, Merck signed a deal with Moderna to look at a number of so-called personalized cancer vaccines. At the moment, Moderna's therapy, in combination with Merck's blockbuster cancer drug, Keytruda, is in phase two trials of patients at high risk of their melanoma returning. Now Merck has decided it wants a bigger piece of the action. It's paying Moderna $250 million to take on the therapeutic vaccine. Merck's other deal Wednesday morning puts the company on the receiving end of financing. Royalty Pharma will give Merck $50 million to continue to push its experimental schizophrenia drug through clinical development. If Merck decides to take the drug into a phase 3 study, Royalty will have the option to pay another $375 million to co-fund the trial. In return, Royalty will be eligible for milestone payments and royalties, should the drug prove a hit. Orthofix and C-Spine announced Tuesday their plans to merge. Both companies are titans of the orthopedic device industry, and now they're going to become a single medtech giant. The merger is expected to be completed early next year. At that point, the combined company will take on a new name, which they haven't announced yet. Their headquarters will be in Orthofix's home base of Louisville, Texas, and C-Spine CEO Keith Valentine will be at the helm. The new company is expected to have annual revenues of about $700 million. Current C-Spine shareholders will receive 0.4 shares of OrthoFix stock for each of their C-Spine shares. They'll end up with a stake of around 43% in the combined company, while OrthoFix's shareholders will hold on to the remaining 57%. The announcement set the two companies' stock prices in opposite directions. c Spine stock opened 7% higher on Tuesday morning compared to Monday's closing price but Orthofix's shares plummeted more than 18%. In the meantime, we're on pins and needles here because we all have to wait until next year to find out the company's new name. CFix, Orthospine, we'll just have to wait and see. The world's most productive biopharmas have gone through some major changes in the past five years. In Fierce Pharma's latest report, BioNTech and Moderna beat their biopharma peers with the most 2021 revenues per employee. The 2021 cohort as a whole showed improved productivity over 2016, although several companies like Gilead, Biogen, and Amgen experienced declines. After a message from our sponsor, we'll hear from Eric Seganowski and Angus Liu as they discuss the most productive pharmas.
2: Are you ready to drive radical prescription growth for your brand with access genius? You can access genius personalizes your brand's market access messages to an HCPs individual practice. It fully integrates with Viva applications and automatically selects the best possible pull through message to share with target HCPs. Learn how leaning in with access genius messaging helped one brand realize four to one ROI. Find out how to make Market Access pull through your brand's superpower at accessgeniusmessaging.com. Hi, Angus. We have a new special report. For this one, we ranked the most productive biopharma workforces as measured by revenue per employee based on their 2021 numbers. The last time we did this ranking was in 2016. You compiled both lists. Tell us what's different this time around.
3: Well, Eric, the first thing that stood out for me was that two companies that ranked fairly high in 2016's list were actually no longer independent companies. Uh, these were Celgene and Allergan, uh, which were number two and five, respectively, back in uh, 2016. Uh, interestingly, the two firms that bought out them, FV and Bristol Myers Squibb were both in that year's list, ranking 6th and 7th. And it seems like the combinations have, uh, the the acquisitions, uh, have actually boosted the two buyers' productivity. Uh, Bristol-Myers' revenue per employee jumped 85% in 2021 versus 2016 uh, and to uh, $1.44 million. And Avis climbed 32% uh, to over... Uh, $1.1 million. And acquisitions like, they, like these ones typically involve uh, what the companies call synergies, uh, where you can cut redundant overlapping functions, which typically mean layoffs. Uh, and then you have a larger company with basically the same products from two companies, but actually fewer people to run them. That's definitely going to help with productivity based on our revenue per employee. Formula. Yeah. And you mentioned some of the big pharma companies on the list, but this list is mostly made up of
2: big biotech companies, and those are generally more productive than the larger pharmaceutical companies. Is that that what you're seeing?
3: Yeah, um, I think they're just just inherently big biotech companies because they focused on uh, just a couple of therapeutic areas and they have only a handful uh, top-selling innovative therapies that are driving sales, they have a relatively lean corporate structure to support those uh, products. Whereas in comparison, whereas a big pharma company you have typically a broad uh, therapeutic portfolio, sometimes covering some small indications and with a relatively big headcount. And with any big companies of that size of a big pharma, You get more administrative layers, bureaucracy, which are just typical when a firm grows too large to that scale.
2: I see. And one trend to watch is whether the well of big biotechs might be drying up. You mentioned the biotes of Allergan and Celgene. Um, How many big biotech companies are still on the list? I know a few like Gilead, Biogen, and Amgen are still around.
3: Yeah, all three of those big biotech firms you mentioned made into our new uh, most productive biopharma companies report, as they did in 2016. But this time, their revenues per employee had all declined 2021 versus 2016. I feel like we're in a similar situation now as we did five years ago. Remember, CellGene and Agron were scooped up at a time of weakness. Today, uh, Gilead, Biogen, and Amgen all had Similar problems; they were in trouble, as reflected in their decreased revenue per employee numbers. I mean, Biogen needs this one needs no, no introduction. The multiple sclerosis, loss of exclusivity, and the out of home debacle are just a mess. And Amgen is also facing tough competition from different therapeutic areas, whether it's oncology, aesthetic, inflammatory diseases, just from all directions. And Gilead is trying to make uh, make a presence in oncology, but that effort has hit some setbacks lately, especially in solid tumors, uh, aka Trudelvi. And now Gilea's, let, let's not forget Gilea's revenue employee did improve 2021 versus 2020, but that's largely COVID drug bacteria's during.
2: I see. And speaking of the pandemic, uh, several companies at the top of this list significantly benefited from their COVID products. Uh, Biontech and Moderna topped our list. Um, What what are the other companies to mention?
3: Yeah, I think we've covered this, Eric, in our last most uh, profitable company report. Just having a single product and in Biontech and Moderna's case, just roughly $20 billion in annual revenue a product in that range, and only around 3,000 employees uh, to to support that $20 billion product. Uh, and so that kind of structure, business structure, definitely helped give uh, BioNTech and Moderna their top spots on our list. And when you look at Gilead, as I mentioned, our third-ranking ca- company uh, it's it has it had 27 billion dollars in revenue last year, and it was realized by 14,000 employees. So you kind of see the numbers there. Uh, Beyond Tech and Moderna have 20 billion dollar in revenue, but only 3,000 stuffers. And Gilead has 27 billion revenue, but way more like 14,000 employees. So this is how our c- calculation works: the bigger the revenue, and the smaller the headcount the higher the productivity. So it, it is not just beyond Tech and Moderna. We also have other companies working on COVID. Regeneral also wouldn't even be eligible for our list without its COVID antibody drug because its total 2021 revenues would have dropped below $10 billion if the COVID drug were excluded. So we cut our list, uh, calculating our list for companies by... 10 billion dollars in annual revenue. And now with that addition, addition of the COVID antibody, Regeneron ranks as a fourth company on our list right behind Gilead. And we also have Pfizer and Eli later ranking out our list uh, as uh, the ninth and the 10th, and they both benefited from COVID products.
2: Well, yeah, like you mentioned, this makes me think that it'll be interesting to follow the changes the next time we do this report um, for two reasons. One, companies may get acquired, and two, their COVID revenues will definitely be different.
3: Looking forward to it.
1: Biogen had a tumultuous year spurred by its disastrous Alzheimer's disease drug launch. Now Biogen is reportedly considering TheraVance co-founder, Matai Maiman, as its new CEO. As Stat News first reported, the company supposedly wants to emphasize scientific know-how in choosing its next leader. Here's Fraser Kanstainer and Eric Saganowski with more.
2: Hey Fraser, today we're going to be discussing Biogen. This company has been in flux ever since its disastrous launch of Aduhelm in Alzheimer's disease, which started last year. But late last week, the company's future started to look a little clearer. What happened?
0: Yeah, so one of the many side effects of Biogen's uh, rocky Alzheimer's rollout was that the company earlier this year said it would be looking for a new CEO. Now it seems that that search might be coming to a close, um, according to reports that Biogen is strongly considering Matai Mammon as its new CEO. Uh, Mammon is one of the co founders of Theravance, and most recently, he was a research and development head at Johnson Johnson. This is significant because Biogen is supposedly trying to emphasize research and development acumen in choosing its next leader, uh, this coming off a period of more commercial-focused leadership. Uh, That's according to Stat News, which uh, broke the report last week.
2: I see. Can you tell me a little bit more about Biogen's current CEO? What's his background and what's the latest on his tenure with the company?
0: Yeah. So Biogen's current CEO is Michel uh, Vounatsos. He previously was the company's chief commercial officer and he became chief executive back in 2016. Now, Biogen announced it would be looking for a new leader in May of this year. And that accompanied news that it was doing things like cutting the sales team for its Alzheimer's disease drug Adjahelm, as well as implementing other cost-saving measures all in a bid to save $1 billion a year.
2: Yeah, Biogen's really been making a lot of news lately. And even more recently, they have promising phase three results with for another Alzheimer's drug. So we'll have to watch, see how that plays out. So why would a CEO pick like Mamet be significant for Biogen at this time?
0: Yeah, more scientific direction from the top down could sort of help to rehabilitate uh, Biogen's image, which has definitely taken uh, a bit of a blow just given all of the controversies surrounding Adjahelm. That could be uh, especially important because Biogen has something of a second shot at Alzheimer's disease. Uh, recently, its partner Eisai's drug lecanemab turned out some really strong and kind of surprising results in Alzheimer's, and uh, that antibody is up for an accelerated approval decision in the U.S. in January.
2: And just to give listeners a little more perspective, this is especially important for Biogen because some of their established drugs, like Tecfidera and multiple sclerosis and Spinraza and Spinal Muscular Atrophy have been coming under increased competitive pressure from other companies, so they have more eggs in their Alzheimer's basket, so to say. So, Fraser, just how certain is this CEO appointment?
0: Yeah, so obviously nothing is set in stone right now. Stat reports the talks between Biogen and Mammon have reached a pretty serious stage, but they've stopped short of a formal job offer. Uh, that's according to stats sources, which are, you know, unnamed folks that are sort of close to the discussions to the CEO hunt. Now, all we know from Mammon's side is that he left Johnson & Johnson in early August to, uh, in the company's words, pursue other opportunities. Now, Fierce Pharma did reach out to Biogen, which uh, stopped f- short of confirming or denying the rumors. Um, BioGen spokesperson told us that the company's CEO selection process is simply ongoing. Uh, The spokesperson also stressed that in the meantime, Vunatsos and the rest of Biogen's leadership team are focused on kind of holding down the fort.
2: I see. And you mentioned the scientific focus, but what else might Biogen investors be looking for in their next leader?
0: Yeah, curiously, this is the the second time this year we've heard rumblings about what Biogen uh, stakeholders might be looking for in the company's next leader. So earlier this year, RBC Capital Markets sent a note to clients uh, where they revealed the results of a survey they'd run, which found nearly 40% of Biogen stakeholders said they specifically wanted a CEO with strong uh, business development acumen. And they uh, specified that could be either through in-licensing deals or acquisitions.
1: That's it for The Top Line. I'm senior producer Teresa Carey. Our sound engineer is Caleb Hodgson. You can find out more about these topics in our show notes at fiercepharma.com. Look for podcasts. Don't forget to follow The Top Line on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you listen. And that's The Bottom Line from The Top Line.